Hello, my name is Jonathan Hazlett. I'm a partner and the head of pensions here at Osborne Clark. Welcome to this, the first of our Pensions 22 podcasts. This is a series of podcasts designed to help you navigate the key issues which we think you're likely to face this coming year. Each of the podcasts are supported by an interactive PDF. Please do contact me or your usual OC contact if you'd like to see that, or indeed if you want any training on the subjects that we're going to discuss during this podcast series. Today's podcast is on the subject of pension transfers, and in particular pension scams. We're going to look at the new rules introduced with effect from the 30th of November last year. I'm joined by my colleague, Freddie Carter, a trainee solicitor in our team. And Freddie's had the great pleasure of having to look at the complexity of these new rules and is going to help me explain them to you today. So welcome, Freddie. Thanks for uh, joining me today. I wanted to go really back to the basics to begin with. Can you explain um, to the listeners when a member can transfer out of a pension scheme? Of course. So until recently, a member of an occupational pension scheme had a legal right to transfer their benefits to another scheme if they met two conditions. Firstly, they were a deferred member. If the transfer related to defined benefits, the member also had to be at least one year away from their normal pension age. Secondly, the member was asking to transfer to an occupational pension scheme, a personal pension scheme or a qualifying recognised overseas pension scheme. Where the member had DB benefits worth more than £30,000, they also had to take independent financial advice. Under new rules dealing with pension scams, which were introduced on 30th November last year, the trustees must now also be satisfied that one of two new conditions are met before any transfer can proceed. You mentioned their pension scams. This is something we've heard a lot about over the last few years. Could you just explain what exactly a pension scam is? Yeah, of course. So there's not one single adopted by all definition of pension scam. However, broadly speaking, a pension scam involves an individual or a company trying to persuade a member to transfer their pension savings by making attractive sounding promises that they have no intention of keeping. And what are the risks for members of um, accepting a pension scam offer? So really the most serious risk to members is that they may end up losing all or at least part of their pension savings. This could be due to the scammer making high risk investments, unexpectedly high fees which are frequently concealed from the member, or tax charges being imposed on the member on the basis that the transfers or benefits being paid are unauthorised payments. And I know that pension scams put trustees in a very difficult position. So again, would you mind just explaining what the difficulties for trustees are? Yeah, it's, it's certainly a difficult balancing act for trustees when a transfer request is made. If they don't pay the transfer value, they run the risk of the pensions regulator imposing a civil penalty due to a failure to comply with the member's statutory right. And also the member may bring a complaint through the scheme's IDRP and possibly to the pensions ombudsman. This complaint would be that the trustees had not given effect to the member's statutory rights transfer. It might be costly for the trustees to defend and could result in them having to pay compensation to the member. On the other hand, if the trustees decide to comply with a transfer request that subsequently turns out to be a scam, the member may bring a complaint again through the scheme's IDRP and to the pensions ombudsman. In this particular case, the complaint would be that the trustees did not make sufficient checks or give the member sufficient warnings before paying the transfer value. If this complaint was upheld, the trustees would have to reinstate the member's benefit 
benefits into the scheme and pay compensation potentially. So obviously particularly costly. The aim of the new rules uh, that have been introduced is to give trustees more powers to act in cases where they have concerns of scams. Okay, well, I know from my own reading and advice to clients that these new rules are potentially pretty complex. Um, so it might be asking a bit too much, but do you think in a nutshell you could tell me what the new rules are? Yeah, I can certainly give that a go. So under the new rules, the conditions for a statutory transfer that I mentioned earlier still apply, but tr trustees must also check whether one of two new conditions are met. So the first condition will be met if the member is asking to transfer to one of three specific types of scheme that the government has accepted represents a particularly low pension scam risk. At the moment, the two to remember are public service pension schemes and defined contribution master trusts that have been authorised by the pensions regulator. The second condition applies to all of the types of schemes. In this case, the trustees must check whether there are any red or amber flags present. If there are one or more red flags, the second condition will not be met and the member will lose their right to transfer. If there are one or more amber flags, the trustees must refer the member to Money Helper to receive guidance. And the condition will only be met if the member provides the trustees with the necessary prescribed evidence that they have received the guidance. Okay, so it sounds as though we've got even more terminology to, to deal with, this concept of red flags and amber flags. So again, do you think you'd be able to describe to listeners what a, a red flag would be? Yeah, so some of the main examples of red flags are a member receiving unregulated advice, unsolicited contact, a member being offered an incentive to transfer or a member being pressured to transfer. There'll also be a red flag of a member, in spite of receiving a reminder from the trustees, does not provide a substantive response to a request for information or evidence. There are a couple of circumstances in which this flag will be relevant. The first is if trustees ask the member for more information to help them decide whether any of the flags are present. The second is where a member wants to transfer to an occupational pension scheme or CUROPS. For an occupational pension scheme, they must provide evidence of an employment link. Where they want to transfer to a CUROPS, the member must provide evidence of an employment link or residency link. Great, Freddie. I think then I understand what a red flag might be. Uh, could you then go on and explain what an amber flag might be? All the sort of things that amber flags include are the scheme the member wants to transfer to, including high risk or unregulated investments, or including overseas investments. The scheme the mem member wants to transfer to, charging unclear or high fees, or having an investment structure that's unclear, complex, or unorthodox, or there being a sharp or unusual rise in the volume of requests to transfer to a particular scheme, or involving the same advisors, or potentially both of these. The one that's likely to cause the most problems in practice is the overseas investment flag. A lot of administrators run clean lists and the way that the rules are drafted, this is kind of problematic, but that's probably not one for us to cover today. There are also some amber flags that apply where the trustees ask the member for more information to help them to decide whether any of the flags are present or where the trustees ask the member for evidence to show an employment link or residency link. No, that's great. Thank you. I think I now understand the concept of a red and an amber flag uh, and you've mentioned previously that this all takes effect from the 30th of November last year so what transfers do the new rules apply to? So the new rules apply to DC and DB member transfers however it's slightly different for both of them so the new rules apply in any case where a DB member applies for a CETV quotation or a DC member requests a transfer on or after 30th November this means that some schemes will already have transfer requests that they will need to apply the new rules to. 
Okay, so more complexity for, for trustees. And is, is there any guidance for trustees to help them navigate the new rules? So there is some guidance from the pensions regulator. Uh, however, the, the regulations themselves, as we've seen, are complicated and there are areas where they're quite difficult to apply and also areas where the actual rules themselves don't seem to fit with the way that the pensions regulator guidance um, sets this out. OK, so we've got these fairly complicated new rules and potentially some inconsistent regulator guidance. But what should trustees be doing to um, uh, react to these new rules? What should they be asking scheme administrators to do? We've set out a number of suggested actions for trustees in our interactive PDF on transfer values and pension scams. So the sort of things uh, that they should do include asking the scheme administrator to confirm that they can operate a transfer process that complies with new rules. As part of this, the trustees should make sure that they and the administrators understand all of the trustee decisions that are required by the new rules. Once they've done this, the trustees should also agree with the scheme administrators which types of decisions can be taken by the administrators on behalf of the trustees and which need to be escalated to the trustee board. The new rules require you to provide certain information to members, so you, you need to review your scheme's transfer communications to make sure you're doing what you need to. Also, to help explain the new rules to members and manage their expectations when they go to, to apply for a transfer, you should also update the scheme's newsletter, explanatory booklet and website to include information about the new rules. And you should ask your scheme administrator to prepare a more detailed report on transfer activity for review at trustee meetings. OK, so a lot for trustees to do in response to these new rules and potentially with with retrospective effect too, um, if they're having to deal with with current transfers. So in, in the complexity of all of that, what support is available to members when they're deciding whether to transfer out of a pension scheme or not? So the trustees themselves can't advise members directly on whether to transfer their benefits. However, they can signpost financial advice. So as I said earlier, some DB members are legally required to take independent financial advice before transferring their benefits. However, every member should be encouraged to consider taking independent financial advice before transferring their benefits. Where the member has DC benefits, you might also need to signpost pensions or what pensions wise. Thanks for that, Freddie. And just finally bringing it to a close, um, what what can trustees do to protect themselves um, from any personal liability in relation to pension scams uh, uh, and, and the risks generally in uh, uh, responding to pension transfer requests? The trustees themselves will ultimately be the ones responsible for compliance with the rules. So to protect themselves, we suggest that trustees familiarise themselves with the new statutory transfer rules. We also suggest that trustees check what their scheme rules say about transfers. We can arrange scheme specific training to help with this process. Trustees should also consider updating their transfer discharge forms. Finally, and most importantly, we recommend that trustees take legal advice on questions that come up as they start to apply to the rules. That's great. Thanks, Freddie. And thank you in particular for that plug for the need to take legal advice. It's always appreciated. Uh, thank you generally for helping us explain these new rules. And thank you to our listeners. I hope you found the podcast interesting and informative. Very much um, welcome any feedback that you might have on this podcast or the series more generally. And I look forward to speaking to you in a couple of weeks time about the need to have a new effective system of governance in place.